Hi, this is Sophie, Simon and Ben from That Final Scene. Yeah, we just want to give a quick shout out to our friends at Amazon Music where you can find this very podcast. So, let's dive in, shall we? I said it before and I'll say it again. That scene, that last scene. What does it mean? I'm the dude, you know? Get the fuck out of here. No, I cannot. That Final Scene starts now. Hello and welcome back to the That Final Scene podcast. My name is Sophie and once again I am joined by my favorite co-hosts Simon and Ben. Yo. Hello. How have you guys been? You say favorites as if you have a revolving cast that like other people come in when we don't that we don't know about. Like maybe every other week that we don't record here, maybe somebody else is on that final scene. Maybe I got a side hustle of a podcast that oh. you guys are invited. What would it be like, if you had one? Pottery. Yours would be pottery. No, I'm saying no. Sophie's would be. Why would it be pottery? I don't know. Just the first thing that popped into That's my head. That's so interesting. That's how Ben pictures I just you. Saw that <laughs> I just saw that vase over there in the corner. I, I have a good pottery. selection of yeah. Ben is thinking of the scene from Ghost with the Very famous pottery so. erotic yes. scene. Trying to think, I would probably have a podcast about how to not grow plants. How to not grow plants? How, yeah, because I'm the absolute worst work? when it comes to growing plants. I mean, you okay. can clearly see how they, they've been deteriorating. It's real. They are real, uh, but I just, even though I water them and even though good. I show them love, they don't seem to last. So I have all the tips because I'm trying very hard and nothing is working. So that'd be my podcast. What would yours be, Simon? Something musically related, I think. Interesting. One of my favorite podcasts is Song Exploder. Oh, Song Exploder is so good. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of... Yeah. <laughs> Weren't they speaking, speaking of exploding? Of exploding. <laughs> <laughs> speaking of things blowing Sweet. up in your face. <laughs> Michael's been over again. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Not exactly. Um, more literally, I'm, I'm back on watching franchise films, like big explodey films. I saw uh, okay. Ambulance. Is you that the Michael seen? Bay movie? Yes. No, I haven't seen it because Explosions I don't watch Michael Bay movies. Overload. Have you seen that film, Simon? The last Michael Bay film I watched was Transformers. And uh, it was just a constant one? stream of explosions and sound effects. The first Transformers? I don't know. It was terrible. With yeah. Josh Dumel. It had and so Shia little Buff. substance. I feel like it was that first one of like movies based on toys, you know, properly kicking that off of like, well, Transformers is nothing really. Let's make a movie out of it. But then there was Transformers cartoon series. So, but yeah, it is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, he's ridiculous. Does the ambulance turn into a transformer towards the end of the movie? I hate to say it, but I enjoyed it. I it's, enjoyed it. Is it ambulance. Jake Gyllenhaal and yes. Yaya Abdul Mateen? I think it is. I trust you. Um, so the drone work is really fun. So he used a lot of drones for shooting on the film. This and is like the, this is like my wig work comment. Yes, excellent this drone is my, work. <laughs> so for our movie Top Trumps, we've got wig work. Drone work. Drone work. Mm-hmm. We just need one more. I have a new one. I have a new one with uh, Sweeney Todd because today we're going to be talking about Halloween and we're going to be going through our favorite Halloween films. And the nose acting on this one is mm. very strong. Yes. A lot of snarling. Acting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Donnie Depp delivers. In that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I actually really like Ambulance. I do think that it was a relatively favored by people compared to other Michael Bay films, but... I'm not saying I recommend it. I'm saying I had a good time watching it. There is something to be said for just occasionally turning on a movie where it's like explosions for like two hours. And let a few of your brain cells really like, yeah, just die. I remember being hung over once and watching Bad Boys 2 about four times in one day because I just kept falling asleep. And I was so determined to get to the end of the film. But Mm -hmm. I just like, I'd put it on, but then at different parts in the movie, I'd drift off until I think the fourth or fifth viewing of the day that I finally got to the end. And I was like, ah. Oh, what a great movie. And then I ordered pizza. It was a good day. <laughs> My one of those is Born Identity. 
Oh, yes. So good. I love a bit of Born so Identity. So relaxing to watch. So relaxing. So relaxing to watch um, Matt Damon just kick ass for two hours. And the, yeah, it's a hard image to picture when you say it like that. <laughs> but that well, actually Matt works. Damon kick ass for two hours. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> actually well, I, and actually, I think for, for me now, the, the new Mission Impossible movies are definitely that. I think we, talk, we mm-hmm. talked about it when we did the Tom Cruise episode. Mm-hmm. And actually... Top Gun yeah. Maverick could probably be one of those oh, too. Dude. Where, <laughs> don't you all dude me. Maverick was great. The Mission Impossible movies now are definitely that for me. Mm-hmm. Like movies that I can just sit and just watch like the explosions for two hours. I love that too. Well, the things that I've been watching because I was telling Ben before we started recording that I'm officially back on watching films. I'm back on watching TV shows. Hang on. I am so surprised she didn't do it sooner. <laughs> <laughs> I am so surprised. I also watched The Water, you guys. Finally, I know Ben hadn't heard of it. So it's the number one uh, Netflix show at the moment. It's with Naomi Watch and what's his name? Bobby. Oh, Bobby Cannavale. Yeah. Uh, He's really good. Uh, I've seen him in vinyl and a few other things. Vinyl, that's what he was in. Yeah, Yeah, he was really good. He's in Creepy. He's in Blonde as well. Oh, oh, he is. Yeah. Interesting. I've not Uh, watched it though. I I haven't watched Blonde. I'm struggling with that film, but uh, I will. This is from Ryan Murphy, Glee, American Horror Story, American Crime Story, Halston. I'd imagine as a music person, so I mean, you're definitely into Glee. Mm, Always. (laughs) 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 And yeah, it's the number one show on the internet right now. It is very classic, like creepy mansion house, horror vibes, like a super wealthy family moves into a creepy house. Their neighbors are you know, super annoying and mysterious at the same time. We're trying to figure out, are you just annoying or are you out to get me? That's a whole like paranoia sort of storyline. And it's like a seven episodes kind of limited series. Like you get to the end in the seventh episode, but I enjoyed the journey. (laughs) It's the kind of so that, you know, it's a bit silly and like everything, everyone has a motive, but without any actual Mm. reason. And the acting is quite good, but at the same time, you kind of watch it because of the, it's manipulating you to watching more and more because that kind of like traditional cliffhangers at every episode, which is exactly what I needed this weekend. So it was perfect for me. But the ending was a bit blah because they went down the making a murder story line, which if you guys have seen that, you're going to get what I'm talking about. Uh, but I do recommend if you need something that's like a whodunit kind of show that just digestible and like quite fun. Um, the other thing that I really, really loved was She-Hulk. Uh, I know, Ben, you've been meaning to watch that, Yes, right? I have been, yeah. I haven't gotten around to it yet, though. I will eventually. I love the fact that, you know, these Marvel shows are not one hour long. Yes. Like, you know, Rings of Power or it just they're just so easy to go through. Well, that's what I was going to just say about you saying that The Watcher is only seven episodes. I'm here for TV shows that aren't like 10 episode seasons anymore. Like I know it's interesting because obviously like US sitcoms and stuff, you get like 30 episodes a Mm -hmm. season or whatever it is. Whereas like British models, you get like, like when you think of like um, the thick of it, there's like six episodes a season of that. And there's six episodes a season of the IT crowd. Mm -hmm. Exquisite. Why can't we just have that? Like watching Hot D at the minute. House of the Dragon, <laughs> Negroni, Spagliatos with Prosecco all around. And it's just, it's like 10 episodes. Every episode is like an hour long. Mm. And there's just so much. It's it's like um, the hour, like, Rings hour of Power. It's just so much to digest. And then to have to be like, okay, I need to wait another week. Part of me likes having appointment television, but something that's yeah. like as kind of intense as House of the Dragon that's kind of like oh, okay I feel like I need to be like taking notes every episode mm-hmm. I, or, or like before I watch the next one I need to watch like a 10 minute recap video of the previous one just mm. because 
I don't know. I feel like binge watching shows over the last couple of years has meant my my attention span is getting really shit for stuff like that. Yes. Like it's I can digest it if I can do it all at once. But I need to I need to like train my brain to be yeah, able to like yeah. hold on to these TV shows for longer. You know, the last show I watched like that was Homeland. Have you guys seen that? Mm-hmm. I, I I again I binge watched the first yeah. season of Homeland a few years ago and I loved it. I meant to keep watching, but I just fell out of it at the end. I feel like I read stuff that said it kind of went on too long. Though, did. I think they, it did. Yeah, didn't they do like they did? Like, they, yeah. they they kind of did that thing that most shows do is like gets the end of what feels like should be the logical story yeah. end. And then something crazy happens or they get broken out of jail. Mm-hmm. And like like Prison Break. It's like Prison Break season four. They're in prison again, but it's a different prison. And it's just like, oh, for fuck's sake. Like, it did have on. a few filler episodes, but I thought the ending was incredible. I really like the ending. I mean, I can see both sides of that. Like, I love the idea of appointment viewing in a way because you can't kind of have a routine and you don't see like you know that you're dedicating X amount of time every week to entertainment, like TV shows, that sort of thing. Mm. But then I also hear what you're saying in terms of actually waiting for something to finish because I do find the idea of like starting something from, I don't know, beginning to end quite satisfying. Do you have any shows that you regret spending so much time with? Yes. Like what? Halo. (laughs) I've said it once, I'll say it again. Halo, to be honest, I... Kind of felt that way about Rings of Power, maybe. Yes, we're still early. It's very so long. It's it's very long, and I'm not having ever like at this point. I don't want to waste my time, so I kind of have it on the background. So I'm just like what while doing the dishes, making a meal. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So it's that kind of show for me. I have two good examples of your question. So the first one is The Walking Dead, which um, I realized they both have the same issue, and the second second one being Killing Eve. What they have in common is that they had a certain creator or at least like key lead writer, like Killing Eve, it was um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. And then I don't remember the guy. It was Frank Darabont Fra- for the yeah, first season Yeah, this was on Redemption, Dead. right? Yeah, so it had such a clear, like both of them had incredibly strong begin- like first seasons because they had a vision, they had a lead writer, and then they lost the writer. And then someone had to replace them because the shows kept making money and they were very popular, like by season two or three. But then they just went downwards. I, I think Killing Eve, like three season three and four, are just terrible. Like fourth, the fourth one being absolutely like terrible. And then with Walking Dead, I did stop watching at some point, but I did give it way way too many. Seasons. I was going like, to say like, how, far, was, how far? How far? Seven get? seasons. Like so I, I didn't get that and far. I, I, <laughs> And I didn't hate. I didn't hate it from season three, but I started like really feeling it by season seven. Sorry, six. Even and that's a lot. With Walking Dead, I can rewatch the first two seasons. I can't do anything after that. Yeah, even season from season three. I was I like half about halfway through season three. I was like, hang on, this season is about ten episodes too long. Certain things, I think it's easier to get out of. It's hard with stuff like The Walking Dead, which had such a like huge following for like a really long time of course like the walking dead still has like so many fans and Mm -hmm. so much has come from it. i think it's a lot harder with a show like that because you stop watching and then you see people talk about it online and you immediately go oh shit yeah fuck crap that's what they did and and then and then it kind of that that like lures you back into it i think yeah killing you i think same thing. I just want to see what happens in the end. Also, like, I was begging for some sort of redemption. As in, surely that's not it. Surely there's going to be a big aha moment in the end where I'm going to, like, take all my, I don't know, I'm going to, it's going to restore my faith to the show. And no, it just 
made things worse. But that was like Lost did the exact same thing. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. I mean, I think I, yeah. Lost for me is the archetype of that, of like, mm. it's going to be a better ending, right? It's going to, it's not going to be that. <laughs> and then it ends and it's, it's been six years and it's four o'clock in the morning because mm. you got up to watch the screening no. at the same time as the US and you have to go to school in three hours and you're really tired. And you mm. just hate yeah. Damon Lindelof and everything yeah. he's ever done. <laughs> And then he does Watchmen and everything's fine again. But yeah, uh, yeah it's... Uh, it was 24 before or after Lost? 24 was before, I think. Or around the same the time. Before, before. It's heavy US propaganda. Like, yeah, it's, yeah. Like, I, yeah, like you love to see it. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because me and my girlfriend watched Designated Survivor oh, a while ago. Yeah. Oh my God. Which is basically... Is it good? It's ba- No, it's not. It's, it's absolutely gash. It's, it's, it's actually, it's <laughs> one of those ones... <laughs> It was one of those ones that we just watching it till the end Mm -hmm. and being like, it's going to get better. Were you one season in, two seasons in? Oh, no, we only got to the end of the first season. We I think we watched like maybe the first episode of the second season. It was just like, I can't do another 10 episodes of this fucking What's the worst part about it? What doesn't work? Is there anything that works actually? There's constant peril. There's this stupid storyline. It's like, well, he shouldn't even be president. Like, mm. you, mm. he's like education That's secretary right. or something like that. So he's this, the last man standing. Yeah. The term designated survivor is supposed to be like, uh, sir, you are the designated survivor because everybody's dead. So you have to take over because he has been, he's like tourism secretary or something like that. So, so about you get housing. These, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Housing. That's what it is. And the stupid thing is, is that then they have these scenes of him being president and he's like, I really can't wait to push through that housing bill I was going to propose. <laughs> You're like, oh God, stop trying to make it this boring political drama while also being like someone's trying to kill you at it's the same time. It's in my time. same category as Olympus has fallen and also yes, White that's House exactly. Down. Yeah. Oh, it's that Yeah, that's it's oh, that, yeah. Yeah, exactly it's that the same sort of vibe as that. 100%. There's something addictive about shows like Designated Survivor because they're so rhythmic in the writing. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Like, exactly. There's a formula. Like a suits formula. is very similar yeah. where the writing has its own rhythm and you can basically follow the cadence yep. of it yeah. without knowing that's what's going to what, happen. That's what mm. the blacklist is like. Simon, um, I know you have thoughts on Matilda that you watched in London yeah. Film Festival. Wait, oh yeah, you never saw it, did you? I didn't. I didn't make it in. I Sophie, didn't. what happened? Well, the story that I'm going with is that the alarm didn't actually ring. So yeah, I missed the alarm. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. That's so the, I was, that's the I was in this with. queue about three miles long in Leicester Square at half seven in the morning <laughs> <laughs> to watch Matilda. With a, with a, with a flag on your bag. So, so yeah. To be more you. specific, Earl Dahl's Matilda. That's the official title of the Okay, film. Is that the yeah. official? Is it? Okay, uh, interesting. Yeah. So give us general thoughts. So yeah, I found it quite dark. I was quite surprised about how it was lacking in fun and humor. And a lot of it was quite cruel. The songs are quite hard to follow. So I really wanted to <laughs> like, I found the whole thing quite sterile. And there was no, you know, Roald Dahl, like a lot of kids stories are quite dark. And like nursery rhymes are quite dark. And they, they often come from quite dark places. And then in Roald Dahl, the secret has always been balancing it with humor and silliness. Mm. And this film just didn't, for me, strike that balance between the silliness and the darkness. I'd be interested for you to see the stage show then, because obviously this is based on the stage show, and I saw that a couple of weeks ago, and I probably would have said the opposite. I thought, like, it does kind of strike that nice balance. I think it may, it probably depends on, like, the performances and stuff like that. And I know you had a conversation with Simon, like a friend of mine who also was in the same screening as you, and he actually loves the musical, the stage show. And he had a very similar, like, he had a very similar opinion to you. I think he liked, he didn't like the film for different reasons, but he still didn't like it. And I think he was saying the same thing about it being very gloomy and just not being able I to. I think we spoke about this a little while ago is that it is interesting how you try and translate a stage play to 
a film, like there just is that element of it being live in a stage show and that everything kind of has to be there and ready to go with like a movie. You can mm-hmm. cut it, you can do different lighting, you yeah. do whatever, you can that change is, the sound yeah. and all, like in post and stuff like that to tweak and you like, you can change the tone of a film entirely just by like changing the lighting and stuff like that or changing the editing. Whereas like a stage show has to just flow from start to finish, yep. which probably helps it keep that charm because it has to be kind of snappy and punchy. Uh, interesting that you see, you feel like it kind of, maybe loses that a little bit which is why as I say I would encourage you to maybe go and see the stage show yeah well you you, know. you should go and see it and I'll go and see the stage <laughs> thing yeah. and we can compare yeah, notes that would be yeah. good I think that would be good let's do that nice and uh, you Ben what have you been watching yeah as I said I've been watching Hot D um, <laughs> I'm gonna just sounds keep like hot. D means dick but it I know yeah, yeah I know but it doesn't it's Hot D uh, which yeah I'm I'm enjoying I haven't watched episode 9 yet because uh, I was I was away in Ireland the over the weekend finale? No, 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 there's two left. But Game of Thrones, again, is very formulaic in that Mm. Game of Thrones episode nine is always the big set Mm. piece. Mm -hmm. Like without fail every year, episode nine is if there's a big battle, it'll be in episode nine. And then 10 is like tying plot holes together, setting up the next season. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I haven't watched it yet, but I will. I plan on watching it maybe tomorrow uh, if I can. Uh, Lord of the Rings as well. Rings of Power. I'm just really tired with it. I just haven't watched the ending of it. It's been partially spoiled for me online, so I kind of know the big one of the big secrets of it, and I don't really care that I know that because I'm just kind of like, it's really, really dragging on. Finished Bad Sisters, I mentioned that on the podcast mm-hmm. the other week, which, it's an interesting one. It's an one. Apple TV Plus, right? Yeah. yeah, Apple TV Plus. It's all set in Ireland. It's um, there's a, it's like, it's a really good cast. So it's Sharon Horgan, Eve Hewson, the guy from Good Luck to You, Leah Grand is in it. And Brendan Gleeson's son, I think it's Jack Gleeson, is in it. So like really, really good cast. But unfortunately, it's one of those ones that the ending was very predictable. Like I was hoping it would have a, like a broad church kind of ending where you get to it. And it's, it, it is lit like, I don't know if both of you have seen broad church, but like it's completely out of left field. You're like, holy fuck, like I did not expect that. And it's incredible and it's dramatic. It was kind of like from the start, it was kind of, you could have predicted that was the way it was going to go. So a little bit of a letdown, like a like a, a nice season overall. I thought mm. it was good. Like it'd be, it's kind of good to watch. And mm-hmm. my favorite thing about watching it is being <laughs> like we chatted about this. Obviously, being home in Ireland, we were we watched with my uh, girlfriend's sister and her partner because they've been watching it as well. Mm. You're in and, sync, yeah. And they were just like, "Do you guys watch it and just think, hang on?" But they're in that part of Dublin, and now they're in this part, and mm. traveling all around, similar to you know, like if you watch a movie that's set in London, you go, "Hang on, it definitely doesn't take five minutes to walk from there <laughs> to there." And you're like, "That's different parts of the city." Like it's been quite, it, it was fun to watch it like that, which I tend to do with Irish movies. But yeah, just been kind of watching a lot of TV, and obviously in preparation for this episode, watch Cabin in the Woods, okay. and I've watched Shaun of the Dead again because I just fucking love that movie, and it's. I know I picked Cabin in the Woods for this episode, but Shaun of the Dead is probably is my favorite. There's a lot coming out in the next couple of weeks though that I really want to see. Like I think mm-hmm. I was saying earlier, this movie coming out in the weekend called The Banshee of Inisherin, which I really want to see, and The mm-hmm. Wonder, which you said you saw on LFF. I really want to see that as well. So lots coming out to talk about soon. Are you? Speaking of Edgar Wright, I saw him in the C Set premiere. So C Set is the I don't. She said. Yeah, I think it's from Maria Schaefer. I don't want Maria Sharapova. No. So I thought you were going to say <laughs> tennis player. Yeah. I want to, like, I really like the direction, which is why I wanted to get the name. 
Maria Schrader, sorry. Um, so it's the it's coming out on November twenty fifth, at least in the US and the UK. Yeah, we talked. We spoke about this. This is the the Harvey Weinstein movie. Yes. So it's about the two reporters that broke the very first story about the allegations and, the, and then you know the abuse and everything. It looks so, looks kind of similar. If you've seen Spotlight, it looks kind of similar. Spotlight, old president's man. It's it's investigative journalism. It's yeah. really really good. It's with Carrie. Mulligan and Carrie Zoe Kazan. Yeah. But what was interesting because I was in the premiere, there was um, they, they introduced the film and there were I think three survivors in the screening as well. So oh, wow. it's so interesting to think that you know they would have to see you yeah. know, the film on the big screen with so many people, the same screen. It was like quite heavy. Like you could tell, like the atmosphere just changed instantly because they asked him to stand up and it was like made it more real. Yeah, wow. very 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 real. Um. Definitely recommend that. Edgar Wright was there. We're talking about how he's now the governor of BFI. Yeah, he's, the governor. That the... he's like a BFI governor, yeah. That sounds like a cool title. Thanks for the ticket, have... Edgar. Yeah. <laughs> right? He's laying us in. Right. Yeah, a little bit of Edgar um, Wright. Sorry for being rude about Matilda. That's not his film. That's not his film, I don't, don't worry. He probably doesn't care. Um, but just a quick correction, it's Anne-Marie Duff. And she lives in Tizik. Um, okay, I know we have a lot more to go through with London Film Festival, but I might just... I don't know, like use the next couple of episodes to just go through some of, yeah, Yeah. like my picks, just kind of like try to process them a little more. And I would like to do some actual writing. What would you say is the film that was the hot film of the whole festival? What do you mean by that? Which which one has the most buzz? Yeah. Which is the one? Glass Onion. Like it was, yeah, it was the hardest one to get tickets. Like it was really, really the most popular one. But I would say second would be The Whale. With Brendan Fraser, who's most definitely getting the Oscar this the year. The Fraserjans. It's happening. We need to do a Brendan that like is special. We I should watch like. the Mummy. We should definitely watch the. Maybe oh my god, we should do the trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> so many of are watching the Mummy trilogy. No. Oh, okay. That's but I'd be up for it. Yeah, I would do. Yeah, oh, so okay, okay, Have I watched it? We should it? do no. it together. We should do it together. Yeah. Maybe, we, maybe we should live podcast the. <laughs> yeah. Director's commentary, especially the second one with the Rock as the Scorpion King. You're gonna love it. It's gonna be great. I was actually thinking while I was watching Decision to Leave (LFF), I wished there was someone next to me explaining to me what the hell I was thought going you were, on. I thought you were gonna say, "As like as, as I was watching Decision to Leave, I really wished the Rock was in it. <laughs> <laughs> this movie would be so much better if Dwayne Johnson was in it." What is the hype around The Rock? Why is he like the most famous person in the world? He just does blockbuster after blockbuster after. He just does like inoffensive family fun kind of movies. And I also think he's, at least what he, I don't know, puts out there, like he's a solid guy. Like he's a yeah, good he does dude. Like a nice he's not guy. like wholesome. Yeah, he's that. And I feel yeah. people like that. Is he uh, an all American hero? I don't think he's even trying to be that. I feel like he's been, been very open with his mental health. Like, I think he has that kind of more self-aware yeah. and a persona anyway. I don't know if that's him actually, but... Yeah, it's interesting. Like I, I, follow, I follow him on Instagram and it's quite funny because like a lot of stuff that he puts up on Instagram feels really staged. Be like, oh, I was driving home and I saw these kids on the side of the street dressed as me from a movie. Yeah. So I got out of my car to say hi. You're like, you really, that that really didn't happen. Yeah. Like that, yeah. that kid has been paid to be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he does seem like a really nice guy, The Rock, in fairness. Having said that, I feel like if you go back and watch all WWE stuff, there's probably some... Problematic. uh, With most WWE (laughs) things, there's probably some problematic stuff there from the late 90s, early 90s. Cancellation on the cards. You live and you learn. I think that's That's what happens when you're dropping people's elbows around the place. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) 
So with that, we're going to take a short break and we're going to be back with Donnie Darko, Cabin in the Woods. Is it that Cabin in the Woods or a Cabin in the Woods? I think it's just Cabin. I think it's just Cabin in the Woods. A Cabin in the Woods and Sweeney Todd, the demon barber of Fleet Street. Street. Oh, look, a message from our sponsor. G.I. Jane 2. Can't wait to see it. Yeah, yo, hold my poodle. Hey, yo, what's up? Y'all got a problem? Y'all want some of this? Without much further ado. Here we go again. I know we were talking about this earlier, Ben, but you said you're a Christmas person and I'm a Halloween person. Yes. So this is very exciting for me. Uh, we're going to be talking about our, I want to say, favorite Halloween films. But in the process, we did find out that each one of us has a different uh, favorite Halloween film. So I think oh. it's I think it's more so for as, as a Halloween movie that if somebody asked me for like a suggestion, I'm not necessarily yeah. giving my favorite one. I'm giving right. you the one that I'd be like, I think this is what you like for a Halloween night. I think it's a good uh, this will be the one that I'd put forward to watch. That's a better way to frame it, because I also like I have a lot of favorite Halloween films. I can't pick mm-hmm. one. But yeah, I think we all picked our favorite for or like the suggestion for a reason. And we actually went to we went on Instagram and we asked you guys to pick your favorite from the three. And unsurprisingly, Donnie Darko came on top uh, by four like on forty eight percent. So Almost si- 50% of the audience there, so Simon, you're a winner. People are obsessed with Donnie Darko on my page. I, I mean, I do think that it's a wider like cinephile yeah, trend. 100 percent But it was interesting. 31% cupping the woods. Uh, yours, you. Ben. Cabin in the woods. In yeah. the woods. And <laughs> I am the not so sure loser with Sweeney Todd, but with 20, 21%. But I'll take it. That's not too bad. That's it's a, not too that's bad. A good it's not like split. 5%. Yeah. It's not like 5%. It's like I feel 21%. like when we did the Tom Cruise poll, like there was some really, like I think maybe Simon's choices got like 90% or, or maybe it was yourself. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, your selfies got like 80% of the votes and it felt like a fix. But Right, yeah. I'm, I'm happy with that split and I think Donnie Darko is... To be expected. Yes, definitely. Um, and I like the fact that, I mean, we can talk about, we can do like a, we can go, it's one of us and talk about their pick and why they picked the film. But I, I think with Donnie Dark, it was interesting because I got quite a few DMs to that story by people saying, Donnie Dark is great, but it's not a Halloween film. And I'm like, hey, hold on a second. I agree the, with that though. Wait a second. The film literally... Countdowns to Halloween night. Just because a film has Halloween scenes in it doesn't mean it's a Halloween film. But it's so Halloweeny. Like the the very the very first scene is Donnie Darko biking his way through like Halloween, you know, like decorations. It just it feels very Halloweeny. Basically, what I was gonna say is that the very first question for you is. What is a Halloween film in your mm. view? I was never brought up much for Halloween, but I always think of it as a very kind of like trashy event. There you go. That's and so I would go for something like Scream. Aww. And yeah. that feels like really fun and silly. Just and slasher. Yeah, silly. just yeah. completely over the top. I think you say Halloween movies and people go to like John Carpenter and like mm-hmm. the Halloween movies. But actually they're kind of, they're not really Halloween movies. They're like horror movies. They're like gore movies. And then it's like Halloween movies can actually be a lot more like um you know like stuff like i'm trying to think of um like hocus pocus even which is like a kids movie is a halloween movie mm-hmm. because it's about witches like the witches rolled out is a halloween movie because it's about like you know maybe that's maybe that's where we've fallen down here is that one of us should have picked like a a, a kids one but 
Mm. Halloween doesn't mean like 18s plus, like horror, scary movies. It can be like trashy, but it can be like all encompassing as well because there's like kids Halloween movies and there's adult Halloween movies and there's ones that are like funny and there's ones that are subversive and there's ones that are horror-y. Well, I think for the, you know, for, for those of you listening, you're going to agree with me about Don, Donnie Darko being a Halloween film if you think Die Hard is a is a Christmas film because that's the yeah. same argument that I'm making. Yeah, I, I do feel like it's a bit Christmas film. And it said, it said, see, it's not... There you go. And right. it just like, said on Christmas but like, Day. <laughs> but it's like, it's a warm, family-friendly film Halloween, you can watch on the sofa. Yeah. Some of these Halloween suggestions are terrifying. Is, like, the, like, I had so many nightmares with that bunny, that rabbit, that Frank. So creepy, the teeth as well. It's very and, similar to the bunny in Sexy Beast, do you not think? Where? The film Sexy Beast. The Ray Winston Ben Kingsley. Ray Winston. Seen, I haven't seen no it. No way, have you not seen it? It's yeah. very similar. Really? Did it come out before? Like when I was a kid. Oh, Sexy know. Beast came out in like oh, the early 90s maybe? Oh, right. So, yeah, it's oh, like it's so old. Donnie Dark, maybe Richard Kelly was inspired by Sex maybe. Because Donnie Dark came out in 2001, right? I think. Uh, yeah. It came out just around 9-11. 2001. Yeah. So, yeah, do you want to give us the... I mean, because you have uh, mentioned Donnie Dark a couple of times. Like, do you yeah, want to give I your story? It, I love it, yeah. I feel like I'm not qualified to actually you break it down. To, you don't have to break it down. Just, like, your per- like, why do you like it? Like, what? how many times you've watched it? Like, what What do you think about it generally? How do you feel about it? Um, I've watched it loads of times, and I still mm-hmm. don't really feel like I know what's going on. Amazing. What keeps you keep, yeah, going back? It's a story of a troubled teenager that's on medication. And, Supposedly. And he's kind of, I think it's a story of somebody that's like not heard. Mm-hmm. And he's really, really frustrated. He's like a bit of an outcast. All the feelings of being a teenager brought together in his character. He's also a hero because he saves the family by killing himself in the end. Yep. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Yeah. It's an endings <laughs> podcast. If you weren't <laughs> expecting spoilers, check off. Uh, there's satire in it. There's politics. Cause it's set in 1989, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's very clear about what's going on politically in America mm-hmm. at that time. And Donnie's mum and dad are kind of part of building that world. Um, and also, there's an amazing character played by Patrick Swayze, who's oh. like a paedophile. Tim Cunningham. Teach. He's like a sort of... Um, a self-help, he's like a mo- almost yeah. like a motivator. Yeah, like yeah a motivational speaker. Mo- yeah, exactly. And I love that storyline of Donnie outing this guy for what he is and then yeah it's all held together with perhaps some time travel Mm -hmm. and some strange (laughs) when has a story ever been held together with time travel my god um yes it's got satire humor teenage angst politics time travel it's a very very clever Mm. script and film i think this is one of the things that i love about this film is that it i mean it's a coming of age story with sci-fi and yeah like it's a comedy at times, like it's very funny at times, very dark, but, um, and then, yeah, to your point, hints of drama as well. So it's, it's not a genre movie, which I love, like it's a bit of everything. And yeah, it what would you well. say it is? I don't it's even know not, how to describe like, it. For, like for me, I think usually it tends to be classified as sci-fi, but I do no. think it, it misses out so many elements of like the real aspect of the, like the struggles that the characters are going through are very real. It's a coming of age drama that uses science fiction as like the vessel but it's not actually the story you know it's like it just uses that to tell this more interesting kind of coming of age story Mm -hmm. and I guess that's how it's cleverly layered because Mm. you're wondering whether you're seeing it through the prism of Donnie's mind Mm. 
or whether it's happening in the real world and you don't know where one begins and the other one ends. Yeah. Okay, so that is a very good point actually because just like with Blade Runner, uh, Donnie Darko has the director's cut, which is very different to the theatrical cut. And people usually, yeah, I mean, the, the more commercial version is the theatrical cut, which is more around, like, which is more like teenage angst driven because the way the story is told in the theatrical cut is like, so we're not quite sure whether this guy is, you know, crazy or not. And we're going to give you like piecemeal information throughout the film. And you're going to get the background story of a few characters. But at the end, you're still not quite sure whether he's... Leave it like, open to interpretation. I feel like the theatrical cut doesn't give you the whole story. While I feel like if you see the director's cut, it's much more of a sci- sci-fi film because you get a lot of the mythology behind the time travel aspect of mm. the film because all of it can be explained through the, you know, that book that Grandma Death uh, wrote, like Roberta Sparrow. You remember the the grandma that... The old lady that lives in there. The old lady, her name, like, nicknamed Grandma Death, that has supposedly written the book, The Philosophy of Time Travel. And we get hints of it in the theatrical cut, and we it is at this point where Donnie starts to, you know, realize that, hey, I may not be crazy. Like, I might be onto something here. And that's when he goes back to his teacher, and Mm. he starts asking about time travel. I love that teacher character. He's so so kind. And... In the director's cut, we actually get passages from the novel and we get a full explainer as to, you know, what has happened, like the primary universe, the tangent universe. I don't even want to go like into the details of it all, but I've been obsessed. Like I I went through like the rabbit hole literally back in the day when I first watched that film. So I do recommend you see the director's cut if you haven't, because the director's cut is like, Donnie Darko is not crazy. What he's experiencing is very real. Let's take you through the story of what what has actually been happening. And he takes you, like, Richard Kelly through that story. Yeah, it's interesting how you cut something, like how different the film, Mm. you know, comes across in a way. Because the the bunny could almost be, like, testosterone. And it's, like, it's a metaphor for his teenage brain, like, telling him to do mad shit. 100%. Or, you know, I think one of the most prevailing theories for people that haven't looked into the, you know, time travel aspect of the film. I don't even know if time travel is the right, you know, term. Yeah, I'm not sure either. I I think parallel universe is is a better term because it's like... Multiverse? It's very, it's very multi... Stop it. It's very multiverse (laughs) because basically the tangent universe created because there is some sort of... I don't know, anomaly in the primary universe and therefore Donnie so Darko like has to the save TV the world. LA and Loki. Yeah, it's very much yes. so. Donnie Darko is, is a very superhero <laughs> name, to be fair. Um, mm. Am I ruining this, you know, Simon? <laughs> it's untouchable, Ben. <laughs> Doctor Strange has mm. nothing on Donnie. The one thing I wanted to call out, though, was Drew Barrymore's performance. I love her in that film. Mm. Like, she's his uh, teacher. And, uh, she's wicked. She's really, really good. Imagine being the writer-director. It's his first ever feature film. And then he knocks out that. It's crazy. What has he done since? Do we know? Richard Kelly? The Box, is it called? 2009? Oh, is it? With Cameron Diaz. And yeah, I've not seen it. It's good. Oh, wow, that's good. Oh, okay. It's a good film. Uh, and Michael Michael Madsen? The, from X-Men? The... The Cyclops, James Marsden. Yes, it was James Marsden. Okay, there you go. Yeah. No, James Marsden. Is it James Marsden? I think the book. Bo- is it not? 
I think the box. Oh my is god! Like, yeah, hang on. Yeah. I have a this feeling... is the bit you, you have to cut this bit out now in the edit time. <laughs> Wait, what are you what are you trying to find out? Yes, Cameron Diaz, James Marsden, Frank Langella, whatever, and Gillian Jacobs. Um, it is by Richard Kelly. You're right. Wow. Okay. Look at Sophie That's being it. surprised that I've been right about my, <laughs> it's my first film fact. I've been right about. It's nice. a very, like it's it's a very small ta- as you like as a oh, well, it's not super small, but yeah. Let's move on to Cabin in the Woods. I'm interested to know what you thought, Simon, because you saw it the first time. I mean, the reason I put it forward is. And pretty weird to say this on a Halloween special episode, but I'm not, I'm, as you said, I'm a Christmas person. I'm not really into like horror movies, to be perfectly honest. It's not, it's not, it's not my jam. I'm not into like slasher movies and like, I'm not going to be seeing Halloween ends or whatever the fuck it's called. Like, that's just, just not for me. But Cabin in the Woods is one of the few horror fit movies that... I quite enjoy because I don't really see it as a horror movie or, or which is kind of why I see it more as a Halloween movie because it, it, it takes a lot of just like tropes for it kind of is turning the mirror on, you know, Halloween and horror movies and the tropes of them all. Like I know you, Simon, you said that it's kind of redeemed by its third act. And I think that's the kind of the whole point is that like the first two acts of the movie, it's this kind of crappy, like, it's kind of like an American Pie slash road yeah. trip intro. Exactly. Half naked girls, boys in the shed house, yeah, all exactly. hanging out, being really bro. I want to make a note here, though. I do think that the characters in the film, even though they are being cut to be perceived that way, they they are actually more nuanced than your casual sli- like. I remember one of the uh, one of the opening scenes where they go to the cabin and they're like one friend of theirs, like he's super stoned. And the one that's like, like Scooby Doo. Yeah. Yeah, he looks yeah. like Shaggy from yeah. Scooby Doo. Yeah. 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 Well, they all and, kind of do look like the gang. Like and, there's the there's the redheaded girl, and then there's like um, Chris Hemsworth's character yeah. who kind of looks like Fred. Yeah, and you know? they're all very concerned about him taking drugs, and they want to make sure that he's okay. Like I don't think you would see that in your like casual 80s last year film and I well, do feel like one of the points that the directors are trying to make is actually we are putting those people in the boxes the moment we see them because we yeah. are being primed by the genre the movie itself is trying to put them in the boxes in the idea at the end that you have to have these whatever this five or six sacrifices yes. that it is of like the athlete the virgin yeah. the joke like it's it's putting it in those boxes yeah. and actually the two characters that are left are the two that are you know are the ones that the most are pushing against that who become like the heroes and but then quite nicely in the movie just getting stoned on the steps being like oh well fuck it like we might as well smoke the weed at the end of it like it's quite nice because as you say the whole point of the movie is that you put these people in these boxes but then it does kind of turn it around and also i really like the kind of science fiction elements to it of mm-hmm. like there's this organization under the ground that you know Stephen is Gary. yeah that is <laughs> Stephen <laughs> gary yeah that are have been running this for years that this happens every year it's this thing that they have to do to basically keep the world going and that there's i love that it's like it is just like okay the end of it is every kind of horror movie monster you can imagine yes there's the little girls there's the guy that looks like pinhead from hellraiser there's like the vampire bats there's the zombies there's the people in matt like every single horror trope you can think of they just put it in there and it's just it just goes okay now we're going to do the bit where it 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 becomes a traditional horror movie and everything is so bloody it's like the shining like the blood coming out of the lifts and it goes to absolute 90 at the end of it but then the world ends 
I like the fact that they I don't like save the, the day and nothing happens. It's yeah. just against like the end the of it. That, and a massive hand just comes out of the ground well, yeah, and just so smashes that's the That's so house. clever because in that moment, right at the end of the film, the camera becomes a character in the film because mm. the camera has to be grabbed by the hand for the film to end. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. so clever because then it's like, well, there's nothing left now. The, the, the camera's been got. Yeah. <laughs> so the film has dead. to stop. There's there's so many nice kind of just my, my favorite bit twists and turns in it with the first initial cutaways to the guys controlling all the action. They're brilliant. And yeah. there's um there's a scene where there's the one way mirror between two bedrooms in the cabin. Yeah. And as the girl starts taking off her clothes, and you're yeah. like, oh, what's gonna happen? And then everyone in the control room that's that's like behind everything is like starting to like cheer and clap. And then <laughs> then it all doesn't happen, and everyone starts booing, and then yeah. they have to like get on with their real yeah, job. Yeah, it's like they're again. watch. It's like they're watching the horror movie. Yeah, it's great. It's like we're kind of yeah. they're almost like in a way Steve and Gary are kind of the audience and it's not like it's not too jumpy it's not too kind of like jump scary and stuff like that it is just like you know because it's funny I think it is it does feel Halloweeny to me like it does yeah. feel compliant with a fun Halloween night mm-hmm. yeah exactly yeah it yeah. is kind of a fun one to watch and then obviously Definitely. it gets to the end and it just ticks all those boxes for okay well if you didn't like the I think it's is it the zombies or something I can't remember what it is that that is kind of chosen to to kill them. I can't remember what it is, mm. but um, yeah, it just gets to the end and it's like, okay, and here's the roulette wheel of all the monsters that you could have won and then every single one of them at once. And it's just, yeah. I do think that if I were to pick one for this year, it would be that one. Just because like there's, like as you guys were talking, I was, I was thinking of so many parallels to what's happening in the world today. Like the idea of, to your point, like seeing someone dying in front of you and like, the only thing that you can think of is how to optimize the scenario. Like we are so desensitized by like horror and like mm. tragedy. Like and then like we go to the like to, I don't know online every day and like we see all that horror and we're like yeah whatever like next video. Uh, There's yeah. like this kind of notion. I do think that it's more relevant than ever. And also the idea of the metaness, if that's a word, of it. Like now, oh, meta, yeah. like it's so trendy. But I do feel like it's doing something very different in that regard compared to other films. Um, fairly recently, like The Matrix or Scream, that have done the whole meta thing, but they've done it as a, they've done it in um, like a third person kind of way, where they've just talked about the the meta thing, mm. the characters, like oh let's talk about the other universe, Cabin in the Hoods. It's doing that without saying it, like it literally created. A, a universe within a universe to it sh- tell. It, um, it showed, not tell. It, exactly, it was it's clever. exactly that. And I think that's. I think Steve and Gary are probably the ones that carry the film in that regard, and it and they're the ones that make it funny, that make it kind of relatable in a way to yes. be like, you know. Yeah. So if you haven't seen this film, Steve and Gary are like in the basement of this building, the engineers, or whatever it is. Yeah. And they're, they're controlling all the action that happens in this. Yeah, because they're, this it's cabin. basically, it's that every year they have to orchestrate these kind of, I can't remember if it's five, I think it's six, is it? No, it's five. Mm-hmm. It's these sacrifices of, like the sacrificial lambs of what, I think I said at the start, like of what they should be. And they're the ones who orchestrated with like pheromone mist. And there's all these different creatures that they can possibly use to, to kill them. And yeah. And, uh, yeah. And it's a sort of metaphor of the studio and then the viewer, right? Like the ancient ones is the viewer in a way. Us are the ones that have such high demands and just like trying to. It's interesting. I the, My one criticism of that film that I think it just alluded to was I do feel like the funny parts do work a lot more for me rather than the scary bit. But to go back to what you were saying before about the like the darkness, like how it being a story for our times. I think it, that chimes with Matilda as well. Mm. In the, you know, we've seen 
Batman be reinvented in this new dark way, James Bond being taken down this dark, more grittier route. And it felt like with Matilda, the same happened. And it's like Cabin in the Woods is a reminder that you can still be funny and it's still really important to have a bit of lightheartedness yeah. and humor and stuff. And I, I think things have gone a bit in this latest cycle of this trend of darkness and grit and bit, things being a bit more real, I suppose. I think we've lost a bit of humor and a bit of fun. And I, mm. I hope that comes back. Like a bit of silliness. Yeah, Everything needs to yeah, be gritty. I agree. I'm with you. And I feel like the world needs to be on this last more than ever. So this is a nice segue of for Sweeney Todd, my pick for Halloween. Because like as, again, as you were talking, I was thinking of the funny bits of Sweeney Todd. But I feel like there are quite a few as well. Okay, so I had to pick the summary on IMDb because it doesn't sound right. And I wanted to like make a joke out of it. The legendary tale of a barber who returns from wrongful imprisonment to 8040s London, bent on revenge for the rape and death of his wife, and resumes his trade while forming a sinister partnership with his fellow tenant, Mrs. Lovett. Mm. This doesn't make, I mean, this is just like... So the story is Johnny Depp, who plays Sweeney Todd, like at the start of the film, is coming back to London. You see, you know, he comes in on a ship through the mist it's into pirate, old... Yeah, it's parts of Caribbean, but Into like, old London yeah. town, you know. And yes. basically he's coming back because he was he was sent away by Judge Turpin, who is uh, Alan, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Good callback for Die Hard as well. And he basically wants to come back and get revenge on him. And he used to be a barber. And basically what he does is he strikes up a friendship with Helen Bonham Carter's character. And he starts... It's weird. It's kind of like, is he practicing for a while? But he's basically slitting people's throats and then she turns the bodies into pies and sells them at the pie shop and they become really successful and yeah well obviously you have the musical i haven't seen it and I it's mean, a musical it's, <laughs> it's by sondheim so it's iconic um the stakes are quite high but then again we kind of know tim burton's gonna do his whole like tim burton thing so you know what to expect i picked this film for a few reasons well number one it's harry potter without jk rowling so like a, a good, like a really good one. Like you have Alan Rickman, you have Timothy Spall, you have Elena Bonham Carter, you kind of have Johnny Depp, who's, I mean, very pr- problematic, but a good actor. And you don't have the... You don't have Vecna's the, in there. Jamie Campbell Bowers from uh, Stranger Things. Yes, that's a good shout. It's mm-hmm. a good shout. So you have Harry Potter, you know, a la creme, without having the boring, you know, like wizardy stuff. No so, excessive elvenness. Yes, exactly. No. Uh, none of it. Uh, but I still like the film, though, even though there's no elven nature to it. I like. I do think Alan Rickman is the highlight of the film. But I just think he just he does so much like sell like I don't know introspective work. I feel like he's the only one that kind of gets that he's this is a stage show. So let's try to be more theatrical with it. I would say Sasha Baron Cohen does that as well. Though. Oh yeah, maybe yeah, because it's more because, yeah. because his whole character is like, he, Sasha Baron Cohen's character is he's playing a man who pretends to be Italian yeah. to be the best barber <laughs> in the world. And then you get him, they, like you get him backstage and he's like this really cockney accent. And he's like, <laughs> and he's brilliant. He's really yeah. good. And he, he and he, Sasha Baron Cohen has an amazing singing voice. I think it was after, it was he's after really Sweeney good. Todd yeah. that was when they started talking about him for Freddie Mercury, I think. I think it might have been around then or after then that there was talk, you know, that he'd be in the biopic and he'd be playing Freddie mm-hmm. because he's fucking brilliant. Like you wouldn't actually expect it. And he, I mean, Johnny Depp can't really sing. He like outsings him in that duet mm. that they have and outacts him in certain ways as well. Yeah, I feel like Cohen does this. Uh, he's really good in anything where he's playing a supporting role. I like Alan Rickman a lot because he's playing, you know, the 
some difficult acting in the context of being angry and betrayed in a way that's, you know, when you're in theater, you may not be having any dialogue and you can just see the acting in someone's face in a way. And I feel like this is what, maybe that's it. That's, I don't know, credit to the direction as well. That was quite good. Rickman does excellent teeth acting. If you ever watch, you always, I'm always that's obsessed true. by Adam Rickman's lower jaw and his teeth. He's always like really expressive with his mouth. That's true. What's your ultimate Alan Rickman appearance? Die Hard, hands down. Love Actually. Oh no, he's such an arsehole. He, he, he is, I know, he's a, really I know he's a terrorist in Die Hard, but he's even worse in Love Actually. She's I would say horrible, he's a worse person in Love Actually than he is does, in Die Hard. He does that incredible, I don't know, really, really well. Oh, you can't tell me all those one-liners in Die Hard the world's don't make best you baddie. melt. Yes, yes, he is. Or yeah. his, sher- oh, his sheriff of Nottingham in um, but that's Robin my one. Hood, Prince Robin of Thieves. Hood, Prince of Thieves is my good. Yeah, my he's favorite. brilliant as the sheriff of Nottingham. That's he's really so good. And the second reason I picked the film is because you guys talked about the 80s slasher films and how, like, Ben, you're not much of a Halloween person, but, you know, you, you chose to go with a film that kind of encapsulates what Halloween is all about, which is the silliness of it, but also the mm. horror of it. And I, maybe that was the Greek way of, like, observing Halloween every year, but Tim Burton has always been a huge director and like creator when it comes to Halloween, at least in Greece, like we would always have Tim Burton films on like Beetlejuice and Corpse Bride and Edward Scissorhands, like all of these films were just very, and a very big part of Halloween every year. So I went with Sunita because it is my favorite Tim Burton film in a way, maybe with Corpse Bride up there because it just does, it does tragedy and I don't want to say humor because they're very dark, but it, that kind of self-referential. And, and the start, songs are great. I, like the songs are really catchy. They're really good. Even though like, as you said, like the two main leads, they're not singer. Like they're not, no. re- they're not very good. Even Ella Bonacar- like she's incredible. Like she's an incredible actress. And I do think that, you know, like, her ex now ex-husband knows the director like no one else so he knows how to get like see, see that's heavy eye acting like and I think he can grab that like every single glance he can capture that very well but he's a fine singer let's face it like he just that like, well I not- think I think what both Johnny Depp and Helen Bonham Carter are doing it is is they kind of try and perform the songs rather than sing them if, if- you get what I mean? Like they're they're not trying to sing them brilliantly. They're trying to sing them as that character would say. It's not like in Mamma Mia where like Pierce Brosnan just can't sing and it's all clear to everybody mm-hmm. they can't sing and it's just auto-tuned to oh, shit. Focus. They're very much like playing a part and like the the kind of the high-pitched voice works for it. So it's almost And yeah, I mean to to round this off, like going back to my memories of Halloween when I was in Greece, like Halloween still to this day it's very much about masquerading as someone else. And I think this is why Tim Burton was such a big part of, you know, that kind of uh, season every year because his universe is all about, you know, just I don't know, being ridiculous or like dead or just wearing a ridiculous wig. So it was very much about that. So I think this is why, like in my head, this is the perfect Halloween film because you could make like an incredible costume out of Sweeney Todd or Mrs. Lovett and just... I mean, you could do a whole series on Tim Burton just because of his oh, like... Oh, yeah. That auteur kind of style of pastels yeah, and dark with, yeah. colors and which I have many opi- like yeah many strong opinions on and I do yeah. feel like Sweeney Todd is probably the last film the last good film of his canon canon the, the cul-de-sac like, I can't even just, think of a film of his that I've seen in the cinema after Sweeney Todd Dark Shadows no didn't see it in the cinema didn't bother Alice in Wonderland probably was didn't bother yeah so there are, <laughs> a, few, there are a few that are just with the same trio and mm. it's just like really not working so 
I like to think of this as the end of an era, in a way, <laughs> of good <laughs> theme parks. It's films. making me. It's really so. I'm gonna. I'm gonna have to go home and watch it again. I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I just really enjoy it. Or maybe I'll listen to the soundtrack on the way home. Mm. <laughs> Sing about Mrs. Lovett and slitting people's throats on the tube. That'll definitely not get me arrested. <laughs> Okay, I think we got uh, three solid recommendations for people for Halloween. Just in time, you have more than a week. So get on it. Um, we will be back in two weeks, just like always. And we're probably going to be back with a film that is very dear to us. It's called Little Miss Sunshine. And we will watch it. And I don't know, sometimes you get to watch a film that means a lot to you when you're not feeling 100%. So we're really excited to talk about that and probably, you know, many more. Um, around that topic like always you know what to do at this point if you're still listening you know go to Spotify or Amazon Music or wherever you're listening to our podcast subscribe and leave a review um, we will see you in two weeks goodbye happy Halloween did you like it? did you like that? did I like it? I loved it I, I had no idea you could milk a cat I have nipples Greg could you milk me? good morning morning good morning Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.